John chapter 13, as you're turning there, I'll go ahead and remind you of where we were last week. Last week we began a section of John here where I said before that the Gospel of John seems to be divided up into two parts, really. The, the first 12 chapters seem to be this following Jesus' life, and it covers about the first two and a half years of Jesus' life, close to three years. And we see that this is really His public ministry. Of course, He calls His disciples, but this is really His public ministry. And then in chapter 13 in particular, we saw this transition to where now He focuses in on His, his last week, a remaining season of His life here on earth. And He focuses in on His disciples. Last week in particular, we saw how Jesus, in chapter 13, verse 2, the Apostle John explains that Jesus loved His own who were in the world and He loved them to the end. Loved them to the utmost. Brothers and sisters, again, a reminder, He loves you to the utmost. We continued on through that text and saw that Jesus, the One who all things have been given to, who comes from God and is going back to God, takes the form of a servant and washes the disciples' feet. And included in that group, as he washes the twelve's feet, one of those is Judas, who he has been talking about, not by name yet, that he would betray Jesus. And he washes his feet. And as we looked at what this washing was, Jesus explained that if you've been cleaned, if you've been washed, you don't need your whole body washed again, you just need your feet washed. And we saw that Jesus seemed to be teaching that through His death, and resurrection through believing in Him, you are cleansed. You are washed by the blood and you are cleansed from all unrighteousness. But yet you still need your feet washed. And what we said that that meant is that as we walk through this life, even though we have been cleansed, even though we have been forgiven, and our position in Christ does not change, we still are being sanctified to look more like Jesus and we still have sin in this life and it attaches to our feet. And we need to have our feet washed. We need to confess sin and repent of sin. And then the third part from this passage we saw is that Jesus then gives us this example and says we're to wash one another's feet. We're to humble ourselves, love one another, serve one another, and wash each other's feet. We ended in verse 17 that said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You are blessed with loving and serving other people. We don't love and serve because we have to. We love and serve because we get to. Because we have seen the service of Christ. We have seen the love of Christ. We have tasted the love of Christ and thus we want to serve others. But there's one who doesn't want to do that in their group. There's one that can't do that in their group and that's who we're going to learn about today. So I'm going to read through the text. You can follow along silently. And then we will work through it verse by verse. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 18. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the Scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit 
and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do it quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he would give, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Jesus has just said, if you know these things in verse 17, blessed are you if you do them. And there's this one who will not do them. Jesus says, I'm not speaking of all of you in verse 18. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. Stop and think about that for a second. Jesus has something that we call foreknowledge to know beforehand. He knew that Judas would betray him. He knew when he chose Judas that this was going to happen. Don't think for a second that Jesus is shocked. He knew Judas would betray him. And yet he still chose him to be a part of the twelve, to be the closest twelve people to him on this earth. He chose him to be a part of it. To be a part of the ministry. That's remarkable. Do you think about that for a second? He chooses the traitor. He didn't have to choose Judas. He didn't have to say, hey, Judas, come, follow. He chooses the traitor to join the team because Judas has a purpose. One of the things I want you to see today is I want you to see that with God, everything has purpose. There is nothing out there that's just kind of happenstance. There's no such thing as luck. And there's no such thing of God just going, oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't plan that in. In His sovereignty, in His plan, there is nothing that doesn't have purpose. We're going to talk about a coin today. This is a quarter. We're going to talk about the sovereignty of God. And that He is over everything and His purposes cannot be thwarted. And at the same time, when you flip this coin around, it has a heads and it has a tails. You flip it around the other way, and there's something called human responsibility. The choices that we have to make, the choices that we do make. We're going to see both of these throughout this text today. You tracking with me so far? The sovereignty of God, the foreknowledge of God, where He knows every single thing. He's never shocked. He's never surprised. 
He's never late. He's never early. He's always right on time because he knows everything. And because he knows everything, everything has a purpose. I need you to hear this today because some of you are going through a lot right now. Some of you are going through things deep down that nobody knows about. Let me tell you now, God does. Let me tell you that he knew about it before the foundations of the world. He knows what's going on in your life. And if he is allowing that to happen in your life, then you can be guaranteed he has purpose for it. There is nothing scarier than a God who is not in control. Then life really could be meaningless. But if there is a God that's in control, which there is, he is in control over everything, and your life has meaning. So, I'm not speaking to all of you. He says, I know whom I have chosen. He chooses Judas. Why? It's not like Jesus got fooled, he says, but that the Scripture would be fulfilled. Recording back to Psalm 41.9. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. What, he's, what this is is a Psalm of David, actually, but like we see in the Old Testament many times, there's immediate fulfillment of texts, and then those fulfillments also have a longer fulfillment. So there's things that are true for David when he said that. Most likely his son was against him, someone close to him, trying to kill him, trying to overthrow his kingdom. That's true for David. But it's also true, Jesus is saying here, that it's true of Jesus. It has a longer fulfillment. So this wasn't a shocker. They should have known. There's no spoiler alert when it comes to this. It was prophesied long ago, and everything that's written in Scripture, in scripture always comes true. It's interesting, he who ate my bread, the morsel, we're going to see some of that, has lifted his heel against me. He just washed their feet. He just washed their feet and was serving them, and he lifts his heel. It means that he goes against him. He causes Jesus to fall. But again, remember that Jesus, this is part of the plan from the beginning. Verse 19 Here's why Jesus is telling him this. Here's what he says. Check this out. This is incredible. I'm telling you this now before it takes place. I want you to know what's about to happen, he says. That way the disciples aren't going to go, he didn't see that coming. Oh my goodness. I thought he's the Messiah. How do you not know that? He's saying, no, I'm telling you now so that you know I'm the Messiah, so that you know I am he. The Messiah, the promised one, Yahweh. Truly, truly, verse 20, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. He goes back to show the unity with the Father and that this was the plan all from the beginning. He's also saying that he's going to be sending out his disciples soon. And so when the message comes, as long as we are faithful to proclaim the message, we send out these boxes, as long as that message goes, if people receive that message, they're receiving Jesus. They receive Jesus, they receive the Father, which means they have eternal security. They have God forever. But if you will not receive Him, meaning believe in Him, obey Him, follow Him, you do not receive the Father. Verse 21 after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. We've seen Jesus have this before. Again, remember, he's truly God, truly man, fully God, fully man. He's troubled with sin. He's troubled with evil. 
And even though he knew Jesus or Judas would betray him, rather, he's troubled in his spirit. And he testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Can you think how awkward that got? There were, from what we know, 13 people in the room. The Messiah, the promised one, he's hosting this meal. And he says, truly, truly, which you know when he says that, really, really, one of you guys here are going to betray me. What if I said that right now? If I just said that in this room full of this, uh, uh, many people we have here, one of you in here is going to betray me. Start, you start to go, huh? <laughs> right? You start looking at people. Uh, that's what's going on here. Look at this. It's natural. This is what they do. One of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. Is it you? Is it me? Who is it? One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, that's actually John, and we see that through multiple times throughout the, uh, throughout the book of John. That's how he refers to himself. That's why we're always known. Uh, we, we see that Jesus has this really close relationship with John to the point that when he is on the cross, he even says, John, behold your mother, meaning Jesus' mother, and mother, behold your son, meaning I'm going, you've got to take care of mom. That's somebody you trust. So this disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table. Now remember, when you see like Da Vinci's Last Supper, that's not very accurate, okay? Remember we talked about it. We had uh, Mr. Roy come up a few weeks ago, and reclining at the table actually meant they would have been facing away from the table and laying back with their feet out. That's why if you remember when Jesus' feet, when they were anointed with oil, it's because they were reclining at the table. They weren't facing that direction. So they're reclining back, and he would have been reclining next to him, and it actually says that John puts his, his, basically his head... On Jesus' chest, there's a closeness there. Okay? Are you close with Jesus like that? Intimate? That's what it's talking about there. There's a closeness with John and Jesus. So he puts his... He's reclining at the table. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, is reclining at the table at Jesus' side. He's at one side. So Simon Peter, you know Peter's going to come into the mix. He always does. And you know right away, Peter's like, it ain't me. I'll tell you that right now. I ain't betraying him. Mm-mm. <laughs> right? Some of you are Peters out there. It's great. You're just, oh, no, I'm, I follow Jesus anywhere. Right? Simon Peter motioned. To, now, this is interesting. I was trying to visualize this. So Simon Peter motioned to him, meaning the John, to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Now, their culture is different than ours. But what did that look like? Like, Jesus is sitting there. John's there. Peter's somewhere else. They're like, Peter's going... Finally, you know, John kind of looks over. Up. And Peter's like, right? And John's like, what? And Peter's like, right? That's how I'm, that's how I'm picturing this. I don't know. In their culture, maybe they have other words, but I mean, other ways, charades, but that's what I'm seeing. And so John's like, gotcha. Maybe in John's mind, he's like, probably you, Peter. <laughs> you, know, you don't know what's going on. So he leans back. So that, that disciple, John, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Sometimes Jesus avoids stuff, but look what he does. Jesus answered, it is to he 
It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. What's interesting is that is a, a common thing of that time. It would have been given to the guest of honor. Yeah. Ouch. And he seems, it seems that Judas may have been sitting at his other side because he gives it to him close by. The guest of honor. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. I know when I saw that thing being dipped, I know if I was John, I'd be like, oh, please, no. <laughs> but nobody else knows, and he gives it to him as this honor to Judas. The same one that we've seen Judas throughout. He was stealing money. He's doing wrong things. And here's the encouragement today. Some of you might be like Judas. Yeah. Some of you might be like Judas. Here's the thing that's interesting about Judas. We talked a little bit about this before. Nobody at the table thought it was him from what we can see in the text. They didn't know who it was. That means he blended in with the twelve so well that nobody knew. He would have been a part of them casting out demons, performing miracles, healing the sick, preaching the gospel. And nobody suspected him. But he didn't have true faith. He had not been cleansed because he didn't truly believe in Christ. I'm worried there could be some of you here that you do all the right things and none of us have even a clue that you don't know him. No games. This is serious. This is serious. There are people on that last day who are going to stand and go, I did all these things in your name, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And I don't want that to be anybody in here. Don't walk out of here today if that's what you know deep down in your heart. You know deep inside you're not really following. You don't really love Jesus. The time is running out. soon. <laughs> it's true though. You know what's interesting? We see, uh, you know, we see this hurricane come and people freak out. I mean, this thing starts coming and they are freaking out. Scripture warns us over and over, at best you have a hundred years, which is a vapor. Some of you who are older go, man, life, time just flies. Are you prepared? Or are you Judas? Don't be like Judas. Notice he, he kind of does this progression where he, he probably thinks he's fine. He probably thinks he's okay. And as the temptations come, Jesus has now washed his feet. Jesus gives him this morsel, and look what happens. It's almost like this was his last chance for him. He gives him this morsel, the place of honor. Love me, Judas. Don't, don't rebel against me. Don't betray me. Love me, Judas. The other side of the coin. Judas has a choice to make. And instead of saying, I can't take that morsel right now, I need to tell you that I have been evil in my heart, he says, Thank you. And Satan entered in him. Don't be like Judas. And immediately Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do it quickly. Now the time has come. 
you have made your decision, and you have gone far. Listen to the warning in the book of Hebrews. This is one of the hardest passages of Scripture I've ever read, and I want you to hear it clearly because you're here and you're hearing the gospel message. Listen to this. If we go on sinning deliberately, not a mess up, not a sin that we fall, right? That we're battling sin. That's not what this means. This means if you know that something is sin and you keep doing it, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? If you hear the truth and you say, oh, I'm a follower, but you keep on living in sin and you will not repent, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins because you're like Judas. You've never really believed. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Listen to 31. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Don't. Don't. Don't be Judas. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to them, right? John gets a little insight, but nobody else knows why he's saying this to Judas. That's what I'm saying. He blended in. They don't even know. Why is he telling Judas to go do something quickly? Some thought it's because Judas, Judas had the money bag. Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the, or they thought Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. They don't even see it. And then verse 30, and this is our last verse for today. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Don't skip over that part. He received it. He goes out quickly. He's still following what Jesus says, because again, his plan, the sovereignty of God, will work out. He will fulfill what is written in Psalm 41. But notice what it says, and it was night. I do think that it was nighttime. But he goes away. Do you remember what Jesus calls himself all the time? He's the light of the world. He's the light of the world. And Judas takes the morsel and he goes and he goes into darkness. Amen. He goes into utter darkness. A couple things I want you to take away from this. I want you to see the foreknowledge of God, the fact that He knows everything, and because of that, there's purpose in everything. That accident that took place the other day, that is a tragedy. And God will work it for His glory and for the good of those whom He loves. There's purpose in a hurricane. I don't know what it is. I'm not God but He will work it out for His purposes. We need to rest in that. And when there are people in your life who betray you, you ever been betrayed? Pretty much we do it all the time to one another. Spouses, children, grandkids, grandmas, church members. 
Look at how Jesus responds to being betrayed. He gives him a morsel. We need to learn to be kind to even those who betray us. I want you to see the foreknowledge of God. I want you to be kind to those who betray you. And you won't be able to do that on your own. You'll need the Holy Spirit. Don't follow Judas. And the last one is this. I want you to rejoice. We're going to end with this. In Psalm 57, talking about purpose, listen to what the psalmist says. Christian, this is for you. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. What does he do? What does he do? Tell me, congregation. What does it say? He takes what? Refuge Refuge in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian, here's what you do. You take refuge in the Lord. Now watch this. I cry out to the God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. There's a purpose in everything. There's a purpose for your pain. There's a purpose for your life. There's a purpose for sickness. There's a purpose for everything. And if you will take refuge in your God, if you will take refuge under His wings, He will fulfill His purposes for you, in you, through you. Rejoice, Christian. He will fulfill His purpose in you. Your job is to take refuge in Him. And those of you who are here, again, who do not know Jesus, don't go the way of Judas. You also need to take refuge in Him. We all do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God over all creation, the one who knows how many hairs are on our head, the one who knows the stars in the sky by name, the one who knows the deepest things of our hearts, the one who knows everything. We rest in the fact that you are working all the time and everything has purpose. And we rest in your sovereignty. And at the same time, we see this exhortation that we need to receive You, Jesus. We need to believe in You, Jesus. We need to follow You, Jesus. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in here today. I pray that they would receive His Word. I pray that they would follow Him. I pray that they would forgive those who have betrayed them as they think about the kindness and the humility and the love of God. And they would then extend that same love, that same humility to those who have betrayed them. I pray we would not be like Judas, but we would be like John who snuggle close into You, Lord. Lord, for those who may be here, I pray that during this time that they would respond, they would cry out to You, they would say, Lord, I truly want to follow You. I do not want to be in darkness. I pray all of us in here would take refuge in you. Take refuge in your wings and you will fulfill your purposes for us. And we can trust that when things are hard or easy, good, bad, when we have plenty, when we have nothing, when a hurricane comes or it doesn't, that you are fulfilling your purposes in us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.